This is The Shift Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's The Shift, a conversation that I was really looking forward to having with you is a conversation that we actually started last year. It's sort of a piece of the puzzle that we spoke to last week when we did our conversation about opioids. We have this perceived notion about who uses opioids. We have this perceived notion of what these people look like who use opioids. At our conversation last week, which is available on the Shift podcast with Garth Mullins, He shared with us that most people who use opioids and die from overdoses do it at home alone. We didn't know that. So it does bring up more of this conversation around bias, prejudice. Prejudice is such a bad word in today's society, but it's just a functional word. It actually just means something. And I wanted to introduce you to a man named Brian Lanier. Brian does work on all of this, and I'll let him introduce himself But to get us into the topic of bias and prejudice, um, Brian, welcome to the show. And would you let us know what it is that you do in your study and presentation of this? Great, Shane. Thank you. Well, I've been, um, I am the owner of a company here in Calgary, the Leader Circle, and we work with businesses and executives and managers on having them have power in organizations. So we do leadership development, executive coaching. And then we also train and uh, support them in in implementing practical approaches to creating inclusive and diverse business environments. So from that, Mm -hmm. we get a situation that everybody just heard what you said. I took a couple of notes. We have owner, executives, power, corporate. Everybody out there who is listening has now formed an opinion of Brian from his voice. He sounds kind of laid back, kind of guy you want to sit back and chat with. Uh, He sounds smart, well-spoken. Maybe he's educated. Maybe he's got lots of experience. So is that what happens here, Brian, is now everybody who is listening here in, in the Shifthead Nation has now heard you and they've now formed an opinion about who Brian is. Is he safe or not? That's exactly what happened, Shane. Yeah, and that's what we call unconscious bias or cognitive bias, if you will. And we all have it. Now, most of us think of it in in the realm of race, black, white, or gender, male, female, or like that. But we are asking people to consider that it's something that happens with your brain. It happens automatically. We think from both consciously and unconsciously. So when we're coming from an unconscious perspective, it's our brain taking shortcuts when we're processing information. People are hearing my voice, as you said, and even before I finish my sentence, they're already making up all of these images from the past and all of these memories and, and they're taking all that data and forming who I am. So maybe Brian sounds like your old Uncle Bob, right? You never know. So let me reset that myself now. Brian Lanier is one of my most trusted humans that I've ever met. Brian has carried a heavy hand in helping me grow and look in the mirror of who I am today. Brian Lanier um, is a wicked uh, billiards partner, by the way, if you ever play in pool. And um, Brian is one of the most present people that I've ever met. Now, Brian, for me, my biggest takeaway 
is when I'm with you, I often feel like I'm the only person in the room. In my conversation with other men about how men speak to men, I don't know if I know a better active working example of that than my experience with you. And I couldn't be more grateful. I have so much love in my heart for you always. I always look forward to seeing you. And so I really am grateful for you to be here on this with me because I wish we could do this sitting side by side and it wasn't COVID uh, because that would be the only thing that makes this better for me. So thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. So now um, that is honest and authentic, it's a little bit well-crafted in how we lay that out in order uh, to let you know that Brian, for me, is one of the safest people I know. Uh, he's one of the people that I can call any time of the day and I can say, hey, Brian, you know, I want to bounce something off you. And that's where it begins. So now we've just incidentally on the topic, Brian, skewed the bias one more time. We have. Okay, so we need to understand how bias works because it is autopilot in our lives. That's what you said. It's running all the time. For me, my language thing, I would probably say the uh, are you safe? Are you going to hurt me is probably the place where your brain kicks in in that autopilot. Where are we going today with this? Well, we want to give some people, we want to give people the opportunity to have some freedom around this because historically speaking, people think that if they have a bias, that means there's something wrong with them or they shouldn't have it. But to understand bias, it really is our brain acting automatically and it takes shortcuts because we, our brain processes thousands of bits of information per second. And it's got to have a way of putting it all together in a way that we don't put you know, our hand on the hot stove as, as an adult or whatever. Right. So when you see somebody, you automatically, okay, they remind me of this, or they sound like this, or you know, safe, good person, bad person like that. And that's what's going on. So there's a bias becomes wired within the human brain and the wiring creates a set of systemic thinking errors. And it actually, they're learned through culture and they're learned through our experiences. So we want to have people be aware of them so that they can disrupt them and actually be present with the person in front of them instead of thinking, oh yeah, they're just like my uncle Bob. Right. So one thing that I think of with this is that, you know, you know how everyone always has that X with that name and they never trust anybody who has the same name ever again, right? Like if you have an ex named Rebecca and she was not kind to you and hurt your, broke your heart and whatever, you can go meet somebody new in your life who's named Rebecca. And the first thing your brain does is like, ah, all Rebecca's are bad. And then in reality, that person could end up, be could have been your best friend. But now your autopilot has kicked them out of the, uh, the safe circle <laughs> and kicked them into the curb, and you never get the chance to honestly look at this new person as potentially being a friend. Is that too simplistic? No, that's right on. Well said. I'm not getting on anybody named Rebecca. I think it's a beautiful name, just to be clear. <laughs> Okay, so now where do we take that into life every day, Brian? Because the notion of it kind of makes sense. I mean, these are all memories. We're, we're dealing with people from today with memories from yesterday. So an example of how our unconscious bias uh, is having our brain take shortcuts. Just see if you can answer this riddle. So all right. a bat and a ball costs $1.10 in total. Okay. 
the bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? The bat costs a dollar more than the ball, but it costs more than the ball. A dollar more than the ball. A dollar ten in total. Yeah. The bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? <laughs> well, you'd say the ball would cost 10 cents, but the math doesn't seem to add up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Most people say 10 cents. Right. Now, although this response intuitively comes to mind, it's incorrect. If the ball costs 10 cents and the bat costs a dollar more than the ball, then the bat would cost a dollar 10 for a grand total of a dollar 20. Right. Okay. The ball. The correct answer to this problem is that the ball costs five cents and the bat costs at a dollar more, a dollar five for a grand total of a dollar 10. Wow. Okay. Now, if you answered 10 cents to that example, and most people do, I did when I first heard it. Yeah, so did I. Your mind took a shortcut by unconsciously substituting the more than statement in the problem that the bat costs a dollar more than the ball with an absolute statement that the bat costs a dollar. It makes the equation easier to process if the ball and bat together cost a dollar 10 and the bat costs a dollar, then the ball must cost 10 cents. Right, so my brain said, okay, first of all, let's try the shortcut first. Then it didn't sit with me right. Yeah. And then my brain was going, okay, wait a second, we gotta put more into this. So my, my, my experience of that exact riddle was, okay, well, this is the easy answer. Wait a second, that doesn't seem to work. But my brain still didn't naturally dig into the real info and revisit it to figure it out. That's how it happened to me. Yeah, and it's all automatic and you have no control over your brain. It's doing that shortcut processing all the time. Wow, okay. So it's lying to us, really. (laughs) So what happens though, because we don't go around, you know, doing dollar 10 bat riddles uh, all day long. Mm-hmm. But what we what shows up is you, you walk down the street, you see somebody approaching you. Now you have a memory of everything that's ever happened in your, in your life, whether you can remember it or not, consciously, subconsciously, everything you've ever seen, including television, movies, magazines, whatever, everything you've ever heard, everything you've ever smelled, it's all in your subconscious. So you're walking down the street, you see people approaching, And unconsciously, you have a thought that that's danger approaching. And unconsciously, you take actions, you walk on the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. That is an example of how unconscious bias shows up in the day-to-day life. And most of us would say, well, uh, I'm not racist. Yeah, it's just uh, they were dangerous looking people. Right. But it could be something someone told us. It could be from our own experience. It could be something we saw in a movie. Exactly. That occurs for me when I'm walking down the street with Melanie and it's dark out. We went to this uh, takeaway place and she's like, this is not really the neighborhood we should be walking around at nighttime. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, fair enough. We'll just stay to the main streets then. And I mean, that's a real life thing. That's a perception of news from that neighborhood, but it seems to be based on fact. And then, so every time we pass somebody though, I always put my, I always stand on the street side of her, right? Again, my brain kicks into preconceived, you know, notion that somehow I'm going to protect her from the car that comes off the street out of the curb, right? And then at the same time, when someone walks by though, I will switch sides and walk between her and a stranger always. 
Now, Melanie's more than capable of defending herself, probably better than I ever could. Mm -hmm. But somehow, in my mind of the way that I'm going to treat my favorite person, that is how I'm going to walk. So I'm that's my brain's kicking in and out of autom automation, if you will, that autopilot actively, but I'm still perceiving all of those people as being trouble. Exactly. So that's how it's happening for me. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> I feel tricked by my brain. <laughs> I feel tricked. Okay, so okay, so that's pretty clear. Is that that seems clear to me about bias happening. Um we're, okay, so do we? Is there another example, Brian, or, or should we explain that deeper? Yeah. Well, the other thing we we want to have uh, your listeners get is that there are over a hundred types of biases that are recorded. If you, I mean, you look in one uh, scientific uh, journal, they list 145 different types of bias. So it's not only a bias against an ethnicity group or a racial group that most people are familiar with. Uh, and I'm just going to say some of the examples of 12 examples of bias in the workplace, just so we can expand the conversation. There's, yeah, okay. there's what's called an affinity bias. Um, uh, you hire people, you gravitate to people that are like you, or uh, confirmation bias. There's attribution bias. There's conformity bias or peer pressure. There's the halo effect. You know, that somebody, you know, you think well of them and you just can't think of them doing anything that's inconsistent with how great you know that they were. And these different types of bias, ageism, gender bias, ethnicity bias, sexual orientation bias, name bias. Uh, one of our clients, after they went through our training, was authentic enough and vulnerable enough to say that I now I see out of this conversation, Brian, that I have a name bias when I'm interviewing, when I get resumes, if I can't pronounce their name or if their name is not a Canadian name, I put them in the do not call pile. And this person was saying, I'm embarrassed to say that, but that's just what I do. So all these things are not because that person is a bad person. It's unconsciously there. And it's our brain taking shortcuts. Especially when we are under stress or when we're multitasking, our brain takes more and more shortcuts, which keeps us from being present in the moment and keeps us from discovering who's really in front of us. Yeah, like you can see the wall, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... My friend Darren is an amazing friend. He was over here. My wallet went missing. I've known Darren for 20 years. There's no way Darren would have stolen my wallet. Mm -hmm. That would be the halo effect, right? Very good. At the same time, what I don't know is I don't know his financial situation. Maybe something's gone wrong. Maybe he's not well. Uh, there's all kinds of things that could be going on. And I'm missing all of those moments to connect with my friend and say, hey, are you okay? Whatever. It's, you know, and the access point becomes the wallet. So I kind of see that. And I also see in the names part, you know, there, I see this, that fear of looking bad thing, right? Where it's, it could be names and prejudice based on race or religion or whatever. It could also be, I don't want to look stupid as a manager because I can't say your name. So, I mean, there are all kinds of reasons behind this that aren't nefarious. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And that's what that's where we have an opportunity, Shane, for people to actually have uh, some space and have some compassion for themselves. Because um, especially now, in my experience, you know, what's happened over the last year or so since George Floyd, uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, the different uh, protests that are out there, people's reaction to COVID and being isolated and you know, things that are happening politically. Uh, now, it occurs to me that people have less compassion for one another. And when we're under stress and when we're multitasking, then our brain is going to go to the unconscious, what's there unconsciously as a way of surviving and protecting ourselves. Right. What we have the opportunity to do is first become aware that we all have biases. They're not wrong. They're not, they're not good. They're not bad. We can never get rid of the unconscious bias, but we can disrupt it. So these types of conversations are great because if people can leave with just one thing, starting to notice how their unconscious bias gets in the way of them being present and being with one another, that'll be very powerful. Okay, so I'm going to take that cue right there. Brian just started talking about Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, and whatever. So that means people's filters would have just started to change a little bit. And there might have been some questions that just came up in their mind saying, wait a second, is there more information to be had here? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Okay, so our conversations, Brian, that we had in the summertime, um, the George Floyd story, uh, that inspired you to a point where you even reevaluated um, where you spend and invest your time like socially in your community which happens to be, you know, my community, um, and the way that you, you've done that. So that was, that was an inspiration for you. Bias is automatic. I would go as far to say that bias is normal function of the brain. The question is, are we so busy and tied up in life that we don't take a second and say, well, why do I think that way? Why is my brain doing that? What do I really want in this? Well, here's what I want. I want to share stories with people that I care about and new people that I meet that have a difference on all of us in shifting our perspective a little bit on how we look at things. Brian Lanier, he's an executive coach. He does all kinds of, you know, teaching business and executives on how to manage people and perceive people. Fundamentally, though, this conversation about bias started last summer when Brian and I were talking about George Floyd and Brian's writing. Now, Brian, can you tell me what your family history, where you're from? Because you are Lanier, which uh, not a Lanier, which would be Canadian mm -hmm. uh, way to pronounce it, and and your family background. Yes, so uh, I'm very proud to say that although I was born in the United States, I uh, chose to become a Canadian. So I'm a dual citizen, having lived and uh, half my life here and half my life in the U.S. So I was born in Washington D.C. My father was in the medical service corps of the U.S. Army, so that means we moved around a lot. Germany is a small boy, Texas, North Carolina, New York. And then um, in Canada, lived and worked in Edmonton, Vancouver, Halifax, and now Calgary. So your family lineage, um, where does your family come from? So everyone can understand, because this is radio, and we might as well share that, because you did start speaking to why George Floyd and Black Lives Matter matters to you. Yeah. So my parents uh, both grew up in the South, in North Carolina. 
And my father was the oldest of nine kids, literally a sharecropper son, which means his father was given 40 acres and could share the crops from the guy who owned the bigger area. And uh, my parents, through the love and dedication of their parents, they all got college degrees and they all were committed that we would have more and better than what they had. And I was in Washington, D.C. in April 1968 as a small boy. I was probably about eight years old, eight, nine years old at the time when they interrupted my favorite show at the time, Bewitched. And they said, uh, we interrupt this program to tell you that Martin Luther King has been assassinated. And I remember the shock of that as a small boy. I mean, the, literally the looting and the rioting that happened blocks away from my house. And I woke up the next day and the National Guard was on the corner of my street as I went to school. And with bayonets and there was uh, a memory I'll never forget. And my father took us and we saw the devastation of, of how angry people were. And I had to confront for myself how, and I hate to admit it, but it was there for me at the time. I was embarrassed and ashamed and did not want to be one of those people. Now, if your viewers probably have already jumped to the conclusion, I am black. And I was so hit by what happened back then in 1968 that I went to great lengths as a way of trying to avoid that getting on me, you know, assimilating, uh, working harder to get promotions and, and be better than, which is in a, in a sense is part of the impact of my own unconscious bias, you know, the different things that I grew up with. So if you fast forward, then what, what happened with George Floyd, um, where it was a gut punch to me, because it occurred to me that I have done and so many blacks and people of color that I know and respect have done quote unquote, the right thing. And that this was still happening to us. That was enough. And then I went to anger and I said, somebody should do something about this. And then I looked in the mirror and the somebody was going to be me. And I sat down literally for 18 hours and wrote an article and sent it to every major newspaper. And it got picked up by, my local newspaper, and they printed it word for word. It was much more than could be done in a, a tweet or a Instagram. And that really jolted me to shift the, the focus for my company and for my life to make be one of inclusion, to be one of everybody's heard, everybody can make a difference. And not only Black, people of color, Indigenous, people in the LGBTQ community, anybody and everybody. And that's what I've dedicated my life to. So thank you for sharing that. First of all, that hits me. Um, there are pieces of that story I've never heard before. Um, so that's some of that's new to me too. So thank you, Brian. Yes. Um, there are the perspective of bias as simply as when we talked about this, and I'm going to pull back the Radio Wizards curtain a little bit. When we talked about coming on here, Brian, you and I are both fans of language. We sort of brainstormed the idea and, you know, all of your work over all these years leading into teaching executives about bias and whatnot. Yet, 
you have all these tools in front of you and now you've taken and just sort of turned a little bit and using those tools a little bit differently. So we started this conversation about bias without the typical bias attached to it, right? So we see that Rebecca's are bad if we know a bad Rebecca. We see that, you know, scary people at night are bad if they're walking down the street in the dark neighborhood, you know, because it's a bad neighborhood we see on the news. Mm-hmm. All of the pieces of these puzzles, these people that have names that we can't pronounce very well, can't be good for my office, so we put them aside. That has nothing to do with being black or white or whatever, but yet here we are, and it's a function of the same thing. So where do we go, Brian? I mean, if we can recognize that we probably don't have hate in our hearts, we probably just don't understand maybe that person's family background or why their skin is darker than ours. Mm -hmm. How do we go about that in an honest conversation? Is it just as simple as looking in the mirror and going, why do I think that way? Well, it's a, it's very complex and very, it's been here for centuries. And I think it, it won't. So I can't give you a clever 30 second answer. Mm-hmm. And, but I will give you an access. Um, what I've discovered for myself is it all begins with where I'm standing. And where I'm standing as an individual is I am cause in the matter. Most people go around, you know, as a default way of being it's because of this that I can't fix it. Hmm. Where I start with what can I do to be cause in the matter of taking this on? And it starts with myself. So for anyone that that resonates with that's listening, I would offer there, just start with yourself, with your awareness. And then Shane, I'd love to share a uh, metaphor that I heard because I've been doing lots of reading, lots of research. And one of the groups that I... um, uh, website your viewers can look at if they want to know more about this is the racial equality, excuse me, the racial equity Institute, uh, which is a group of uh, leaders and trainers that are out to end systemic racism. And um, they use a metaphor uh, about groundwater uh, to deal with racial inequality and anti-racism. And how do we solve this? And so imagine that you're walking along a lake and you see a fish on the side of the lake and you see it floundering a bit, but it's a beautiful fish and you want to help the fish. But you know, if you throw the fish back into the lake, it'll still be sick. So you take the fish home, put it in your aquarium and nurture it back. Then you bring it back a week later and then you release it. But when you bring it back a week later, you notice there are 30 or 40 other fish lying along the shore. Now, you can't take 30 or 40 fish home, and you know there must be something with the lake that you have to take on. So you get the town together, and you start, uh, we got to save the lake. And you do all this treatment of the lake. But you come back after all this work on the lake, and you see, you know, 40 fish goes to 80 fish, 80 fish goes to 120 fish. So now you say, it's not only the lake. It's the groundwater we've got to get at. So dealing with this systemic racism and dealing with the biases that are there and dealing with the, this race is better than that race or that gender is better than that race. It's much more than taking a fish by fish approach or simply uh, doing a lot of work with the lake. We've got to get at the source of this. 
And that's going to take awareness by individuals first is what I offer. And then there are ways to actually study, find out what's going on with other, other cultures and take on being uh, compassionate and open-minded too. What I take from that is it peels away this statement that this defensive statement that often kicks in, which is the, I'm out to get you. I'm not out to get you. I'm not out to get you. Therefore, systematic racism is not a thing. I'm not out to get you. Mm -hmm. Well, that could be true. You're not out to get anybody, but it doesn't mean that the system is doing something, right? So I, I think that you've separated that from me in the explanation that they're two completely separate things. I mean, jerks will be jerks anyway. So that's the fish, right? The jerk is going to be a jerk. It's just one person. Mm-hmm. And when you peel away the separation of I'm not out to get anybody and the systematic part, the groundwater part, we look at bias and we can see that if bias is just bias, what if we could work it in our favor instead of naturally letting it happen on autopilot and let it be a tool that erodes things. It's well said. That's great, Jim. I hold the door open for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love to hold the door open for people. I go out of my way to hold the door open for anybody who looks different than I do. Mm. And so that would be probably a combination of a bunch of things in the bias land. Affinity, confirmation, halo, reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, it's like a dance of all of them Mm. in that though. I think I've grown up to a point now where I probably just try to hold the door open for everybody, which is probably the place you, I mean, it's not about holding the door open for a black person. It's about holding the door open for people. Yes. But I was going for years out of my way to hold the door open for anybody I could that didn't look like me, that probably didn't have a door held open for them by someone else before I was determined to be a gentleman. But I think what I what I've learned and I've come to, and it's sort of affirmed that for me. So there's some confirmation bias too. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, being a gentleman's being a gentleman, and if we don't look at the autopilot of things going on, sort of this litter we live in our wake, we leave in our wake. We don't even realize it's there. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, it's possible that the system, it's where we need to look. Yeah. So tell me, pardon me? Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about the, uh, because you're in Calgary. So uh, the Calgary Black Chambers and what you guys are getting up to. So uh, you're a part of that uh, community and what you're starting to shift your focus on, which I'm excited for you on. I mean, you've always been filled with passion and helping people. I mean, there is a list of thousands of people. Uh, that would sign up to say, Brian changed my life. I know that for a fact. Um, but you've shifted now and you've shifted to focus a little bit different with, with this group and others. So what are you up to? Well, thank you. Well, the Calgary Black Chambers was, it's been, it's a little over a year old and it's a group of um, Black and BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous and people of color professionals and students within Calgary and surrounding areas. And we're taking on our values, our advocacy, fellowship, mentorship, and scholarship. And I am the vice chair of the advocacy committee. And essentially the advocacy committee is all about, we're standing for ultimately 
eliminating systemic racism in Canadian society. And our objectives are healthcare, education, and the safety and well-being of Black people. Okay, so my homework that I'm going to ask of everybody who's listening is this is my friend Brian. Um, I never, I, I can honestly say this, I, and this is not like one of those vague nevers. There is nobody I get more excited to talk to around topics like this that I do with Brian. Brian, I love it. It's amazing. You're the best. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a piece about you that I strive for. The homework that I'm offering for um, everybody else is imagine if we had turned this conversation backwards. Shift heads listen all the time to the show at length. I'm grateful for that. But imagine if we started this conversation saying, uh, this is Brian. He's black. He's a member of the black chamber. He's trying to do these black history month awards and all these things. And imagine if your listening would have been any different. That's it. Just imagine if your listening would have been a little bit different if we had done this part at the beginning and the beginning at the end. That's it. No right or no wrong. No, hey, I'm a jerk. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just inviting you to look at the fact that what if we did this the other way around? Would you have listened a little bit differently if you had known Brian was black um, at the very beginning? And I would probably do the same. Thank you. You're the best. I love you so much, Brian. Thank you, Shane. And thank you for all you're doing and making a difference with thousands of listeners all across Canada, all across the world, actually. Thank you. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with AirPods? Uh, yes and no. I think that it's kind of cool that they started this trend of ear of really high quality uh, earbuds. Yeah. I will never wear earbuds though. They hurt my ears. They're not great for your ears. And I listen to my music loud as it is, so I can't do them. Um, but I think for the ease of wearing them and uh, I people I know who like their AirPods have never really complained about them too much. I would like to call into question um, the piece where you said um, high quality earbuds because um, I think they made them trendy. I don't know if they're from what I've learned with my kids in AirPods. I don't know if they're that great. The sound quality is pretty good. The build is, eh, you know, questionable. Yeah. 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 There are some really expensive, uh, like, in earbuds that are redonkulously good. But there are things you need to know about this. A man uh, is wearing a warning people against using headphones while falling asleep after healthcare workers had to remove a wireless earbud from his esophagus. <laughs> he's uh. using it wrong. Clearly, he's using it wrong. Worcester resident Brad Gauthier, um, who detailed his bizarre experience in a Facebook post, went to bed listening to music. He woke up Tuesday. Shoveled snow for about an hour and then went inside to take a sip of water, but the liquid wouldn't go down. All I could hear was, I had to lean over and drain it from his throat. Gauthier also uh, noticed he was missing one of his two wireless earbuds, which he said typically he uses as he falls asleep. Gauthier's son suggested that perhaps his father had swallowed the earbud, which is exactly what an x-ray at a local emergency room revealed. 
A small plastic device was lodged in his lower esophagus. Surgeons were able to remove the butt. It turns out this isn't the first time someone actually swallowed an AirPod. Here's a story from WSB TV News. So some local doctors say they've never seen anything like it before, and, and neither have we. A boy swallowed one of his new AirPods. Here it is, right here. Here's his x-ray. That's the AirPod. Now it's stuck right there. Channel 2's Taisha Fernandez is live at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta in Eggleston. That's in DeKalb County. Taisha, doctors are just going to let the AirPod uh, come out naturally, shall we say? <laughs> That's exactly what they're doing, Jovita. They thought that was the best option, at least for right now. When this little boy swallowed the AirPod just two days after Christmas, his mom didn't know what to do. They rushed him to this ER, and doctors, they said, just let it come out on its own. I can't be comfortable. There was a time when we were waiting for the pizza guy to come and we had 20 bucks at the front door. And when the pizza guy came, the 20 bucks was gone. We thought somebody was playing a joke. And then about a day or so later in the backyard, um, cleaning up the dog poo, found the 20 bucks. Oh, really? <laughs> Here's the best part. If you take it to the bank, they will take it out of circulation and give you a new 20 bucks, no matter That's the true. condition. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know when they say money's dirty? Literally. Polymer bills will go through the pooch and uh and uh, you won't even know. They rinse off quite nicely. Oh, I like I can't hate to be the one at the Apple point? store who takes the refund on that one. Yeah, what do you do with it when it's back? Do you, you take it to the Apple up store? on it? Got Apple Care. Works. Uh, searching now, Googling Apple Care fine print bowels. I don't know. That's gross. Are you okay? Are you okay with naked weatherman? Weatherman? Weathermans? Weather people? Uh, weather I'm humans. Generally, oh, weather humans. I'm generally <laughs> okay with weather. Uh, it, that's. I like if I if I wasn't doing this, I would love to be a weatherman. Those are That'd like the I'd love doing that. Uh, but uh, doing it in the nude, that's tough. I mean, being a weatherman's tough on it as it on its own because you have to improvise the whole thing, right? You you don't write it. So being naked, that'd be hard. Uh, I shouldn't use that word in the context. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you get it. Depends how warm the water was. A brave weatherman from Nine News in Queensland attempted to rescue a tragic swimmer in between live broadcasts on Friday. This is a mind-blowing story. And here's how the weatherman ended up naked on TV. So he was. Uh, his name was Luke Bradnam. He was reporting on dangerous uh, shore break conditions and and uh, water conditions off the Gold Coast. And there, they saw someone in the water who was struggling, and he managed to flag down a, a lifeguard. Uh, it was basically rescuing one person. Here was that break, and here's what it sounded like. Brucey, uh, as bad as they get is the uh, is the short answer. As you mentioned, I'm at Naranek. Uh, a matter of uh, two minutes ago, uh, the young gentleman down here in the board shorts, we just had a rescue uh, take place uh, right before our very eyes. I actually thought I was going to have to race out and grab him. He was surfing and uh, his board has come free, uh, snapped his leg rope, and he was struggling out the back here in these massive seas. You can see how far out it's breaking out off here at Naranek. Very dangerous conditions, not just for our, our swimmers, obviously, but also for our board. 
board riders and uh, he was in all sorts of trouble. We were able to uh, flag down the lifeguard that was just on hand uh, a couple of hundred metres up the beach and uh, help him to safety. But it shows how dangerous these conditions have been. A wave measuring five metres recorded off the coast today. And down here at Naranek, this is one of our most vulnerable beaches. You can see just uh, the erosion that we've already suffered. Well, at high tide today, just about uh, two o'clock, it was uh, further eroding uh, what's already been a, uh, a fairly susceptible beach. So these conditions are going to hang with us for the weekend, Bruce. Uh, we've seen a, uh, uh, the uh, danger warning put in place for our beaches and our surf conditions both Saturday and for Sunday. How long will they last? I'll have all those details coming up a little later on. So that's Luke standing on the beach with these really aggressive waves coming in, you know, like the Baywatch-looking truck parked right there helping people out. So after he finished that hit, something happened. There was a report of someone else in the water. This time, there was no one else around, so he ran in to help out. They cut back to him on the broadcast, and it sounded like this. Absolutely, Melissa. Yeah, just after I got off air uh, chatting with you guys, a boogie boarder uh, just behind me here at Naranek alerted me that he thought he'd seen someone struggling again uh, out in the surf, and uh, I immediately stripped off and raced out with the boogie boarder to uh, help uh, the, the person in trouble. Uh, when we got closer, it became pretty evident that we were, in fact, uh, uh, there was a body floating in the water, and uh, the two of us were able to uh, secure the body and start making our way through a rip uh, back into shore. Fortunately, a clubby and a uh, lifesaver uh, saw us in trouble and came and helped us. Uh, but, of course, uh, the Gold Coast today has been on the search for someone that went missing uh, last night. Uh, the body of the, uh, the identification of the body we've just pulled in uh, is yet to be known, but uh, it goes to show just how dangerous the conditions are out here at the moment. You can see behind me police are, uh, are on, on the scene at the moment. But, uh, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty harrowing scene down here at Naranik uh, this, uh, this evening. So, I like, wow. I can't believe he pulled it off Jeez. that good. He gets a little fumbly at the end because, I mean, can you only imagine the emotions? But then he pulls off that hit. So it's in that broadcast that they, so they're like, quick, let's get, uh, let's get Luke back or let's get Luke back on the air. Right. And so he's got no shirt on. He's got shorts on and he's standing there doing a broadcast. He's clearly not okay. And, but he does the broadcast. Pulls it off, and it was uh, it was identified as a uh, uh, UK national who was in the water. So he told viewers he never wants to experience that again. Adding in the heat of the moment, I thought this is someone's son. I'm going to bring some closure. At least we've just got to do it. So what a what a rock star of a dude! Turns out he's particularly jacked. So um, he's comfortable with the shirt off on the beach, but I can't even imagine like that. And then like you just pulled a body out of the water, dude. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. It's, it, it, live TV. Anything can happen. You can't, you just can't, you can never predict it. Um, and if you look at the, watch the video, the water looks insane. Like they're yeah. not, you know, it's not exaggerating. Like surfing in that would be treacherous to say the least. Uh, so what he was able to do and the fact he did the hit, I don't think, you know, if I was put in that situation, I don't think I could do a hit. I, I really don't think. No, I could. It's, there's no way. It's crazy. So mad, crazy respect for that for that reporter. Uh, I hope he gets a raise or a vacation, some time to help sculpt yeah. guns, whatever he needs. But yes, yeah. do some push-ups, that guy. Um, but but I guess my question would be, why is the boogie warder out there again after that? Because it wasn't like big waves, like clean shore break looking surfing waves, nice pipeline stuff that you would see on a typical surfing day. This was like 
it was like a blender in the water, like someone had taken a blender and turned it on. It was just foamy soup nastiness. And why anybody was out there is mind-blowing. I guess everyone's looking for the perfect wave, I suppose. But oh, it's a sad, sad, sad story. Because there was another story. I don't know if they announced if it was the same guy. But there was a story of somebody who went missing uh, previously. I think it was the night before or right in that area. Um, and they were there was a search on for that person. So I can't imagine that. Can't imagine that. That moment where you get there and you realize that it's not, uh, yeah, that they're already gone. 877-399-9898. You're welcome to contribute here to Are You Okay? Are you okay with cactuses? This is this cacti? Cacti. Caddy? Uh, I, I, I am. I have a cactus. Laura got me one. His name is Greg. I take oh. pretty good care of him. Uh, <laughs> one part of why is the his plant. name Greg? I don't know. Why? Why not? Just right. Greg the Greg the cactus. There's a, there's a social media trend where you become a plant daddy or a plant mommy. You know, and it's like people my generation who don't want to have kids. They or you know, and they don't want to have a pet right away. They get a plant. It's like a test to see if you can take care of something. Part of my cactus died, actually, because I forgot to water it, which I didn't even know could happen. So not off to a great start there. Uh, but I think they're cool, and they look cool. So but I can give you a tip. Okay now. Yeah, As a parent, anything. Uh, a cactus and kids are not the same. Oh, I, 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 I completely understand that. It's more the can you prevent something from dying? It's more that idea. Hmm. Yeah. All right. A New Zealand woman has been sentenced to intensive supervision for 12 months and 100 hours community work for smuggling succulents and endangered cacti into New Zealand. Boy, we're just on the other side of the world tonight here in our UK. The woman was a seller or trader of succulents. I like the word succulents. It's such a weird word. It's especially when you're talking about plants and you just want to talk about succulents. It's weird. Comfortable. Isn't it? It's like the word moist. It's just uh, a dumb word that nobody likes. Speak succulently to me. Oh, succulents. It sounds worse when you whisper it even. Anyway, uh, she was a trader of succulents and cacti on Trade Me, which I'm assuming is like a Kijiji of succulent fans. MPI Regional Team Manager and Compliance Investigations North. It's <laughs> quite the title. Simon Anderson says most people do the right thing when it comes to biosecurity at the border. What is happening with this story? Oh, my God. Uh, it's important to remember that bringing unauthorized plants into the country by any method, whether smuggling through the border in person or receiving products by mail, your succulents, uh, puts New Zealand's biosecurity at risk. We got to bounce this one off Sir Christopher Gilbert, by the way. 38-year-old Wendy Lee pleaded guilty to charges related to two separate incidents at the Auckland International Airport when returning from China to her Auckland home. Like, if you're going to get arrested for succulents, like, you better have a good lie so you sound more macho. On March 24th, Coke, 1,000 kilos. That's what I got arrested for. On March 24, 2019, she strapped stockings containing 947 succulents and cacti to her body. How? <laughs> That's some BDSM stuff going on there. And attempted to smuggle them into the country. Quick, hide the cactus. 
<laughs> Never heard of it called that before. Um, the cacti included eight endangered and threatened species. The plants were worth over 10 grand. After being noticed by a detector dog and the fact that she was walking funny, Lee tried unsuccessfully to hide her offending, offending by disposing of items in the airport toilets. It's a good thing they weren't too spiky, because if they were... Uh, 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 this is Coyote Wild taking an extreme fall <laughs> and landing right in a chola cactus. cactus. Let me explain to you guys why this hurts so much. This is not just like a needle or a pin going into your skin. The end of these spines, and the spines on the choya are nothing more than modified leaves, but they have barbs, microscopic barbs on their ends. So every time we pull one off, it is yanking out chunks of skin and flesh. Wow, this one on my arm is going to hurt so bad. It is so deep in there, I almost can't squeeze my hand. All right, I think I gotta get this. I want, I'm afraid you're gonna get like... Ready, ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, no, it just kind of fell down and stuck in again. <laughs> Dude, I'm so sorry. Right. Oh what was that noise? Oh, no, 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 it hurts so bad. Well, um, the good news is that that's a whole generation making $50,000 or something, probably from the YouTube video. Hey, check him out. He's a, he's actually a modern day. Um, oh my goodness! Uh, why can't I think of his name? Um, Don't I the science guy? No, no. Uh, uh, who died? But the stingray, like uh, oh, Steve Irwin. Now why? Steve Irwin. Yes, he's like that. He's very much like that. He travels the world and does amazing nature docs. Uh, but his most amazing videos are the ones where he says hey guys this is the most painful insect sting in the world and i'm gonna let sting me and see see what happens he makes those kinds of videos too but (laughs) the cactus one made me laugh so i thought of that when i saw the cactus all right but all right i can't believe that um if ever anybody says hey by the way hide my succulents before you cross the border remember you remember this lady she had her cactus hidden in places and got caught This is the Shift Podcast. All right, let's uh, get ourselves uh, queued up here. Ryan was <laughs> clearly, uh, we're just going to move along. Sometimes it's better to just move along. Ryan is completely stuck with a gift for Laura in time for Valentine's Day. Um, they're all schmoopy and they like each other. And, you know, Ryan's clearly marrying up here in this scenario. So let's call it what it is. Andy Barrar, Handy Andy, is has the answers to all of these things. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks, Shane. Happy to be here. I can't believe your furnace went out, man. You must be cold. Uh, I don't know. I haven't gone to look at the thermostat to see the temperature, but I do keep my hands under the blanket. Got a couple of candles. I got a little Venus flytrap thing going on here um, with the candles on the on the desk and got my toque on, and I'll be all right. Got the, the space heater running over in the corner, unless you have a high-tech way to heat up my place faster. Wow, you know, we could talk about smart thermostats. Do you have one, by the way, a smart thermostat in your home? Well, no, I don't at the moment. It wouldn't make a difference at this point because the third of the furnace wouldn't turn on. So unless well, I'm going to... Yeah. Sn- Actually, if you had one, you probably would have got a push notification that something was wrong with your furnace because it hmm. would have deviated from the normal temperatures. Hmm. That's a good point. Still. Um, still broken. But I appreciate yeah. that very much. So Ryan is um, Ryan is looking for a little bit of love help 
here, Andy. What do you got okay. up your sleeve in the technical, uh, your technical trunk of tricks here um, that can help Ryan um, score some points uh, with Laura? Because, I mean, they made, they made cookies this weekend. It was kind of like, imagine the, 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 the scene from Ghost with the clay, except fashioning <laughs> yeah. cookies. And then, so he's out of ideas now. So what are we going to do? Well, I hope Ryan's got some room on his credit card because I have a gift that I have not, I have yet to meet one woman that does not like this product. So this is a sure bet to, to win a lot of points on Valentine's Day. All you have to do, Ryan, is get Laura a Dyson supersonic hairdryer. That I is knew it. All, that's it. That's it. That'll solve all of life's problems. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. But it will do the trick because she's going to have beautiful hair and it's not going to burn her hair. And that's what makes yeah, – I just can't believe Dyson got into hair dryers, right? It's like whatever they, they, they get into, they just dominate. And uh, they just got that – they're like the Tesla of hair dryers right now. So that's what you have to get, Ryan. That's the number one suggestion that I would, I would uh, suggest on Valentine's Day. Well, except Dyson's profitable. That's a whole other conversation. Um, so you know it's an expensive hair dryer when they add on. It comes with a complimentary travel bag worth $80. How much does this thing cost? Well, okay, so I, I can't figure out. I've been looking at this all day. And if, if people want a link, you can go to my website, handyandymedia.com. But the cheapest one I could find was $490. But if you want, like, funky colors, you're looking at seven eight hundred dollars for a hair dryer. This just dries your hair. That's it. It has one function. That's crazy. Although it does come with a, a diffuser, free diffuser. That always it, reminds it me of the, the sold. Right? Like it comes yeah. to me, it reminds me of the um uh, the Who's the Boss episode where Angela goes to Tony and tells him that Sam is using a diffuser and he doesn't know what a diffuser is and that Sam's like a teenage daughter scenario and he's like, "Hey, Sam's using a diffuser. What's a diffuser? You tell me you're using a diffuser?" Anyway, um, sidebar. Um, yeah, so it's $499 for the copper, silver copper edition with a free travel bag and re-engineered, re-engineered styling attachments that look exactly like the old ones. This guy's a genius, Andy. I know, I know. And if you want, like, you can't just do that. You have to get her a stand, too. That'll probably knock you about $100, too. So, you know, all in with tax, you're looking at about $1,000 to dry your, your, you know, the special someone in your life's hair and without burning it. And that, wow. that's all you need, Ryan. That's really all. That'll do the trick. But I hope you got some Man. room on your credit card. Well, I considering I barely have any room in my own apartment for my own things, I don't think I have room on the credit card for $1,000. I'm thinking I'll go to a nice little market and get Laura some, some cool jewelry. I already have part one of the gifts. Uh, no, no, Ryan, but, Ryan, you uh, got to go with no. tech. You, you got to go with tech. I have another one. If that, if that's out of your budget, I got another okay. idea. That <laughs> okay. I was gonna say a full. Okay, you ready? Not. We're gonna go down. This is this is only a hundred and fifty dollars. It that's is better. the Ember. It's the Ember temperature control smart mug. Now, if she likes to have a cup of Joe in the morning, you can give her a mug, and she can control the temperature of that mug right from her smartphone. Smart. Oh, this is cool. This was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, actually. This is sweet. Tell me more. Yeah, this might, this might take off. It even comes with a coaster that will keep it even the battery life longer because it only lasts for about an hour and a half. But it has 
auto sleep. So if it doesn't detect any kind of liquid in it, it automatically turns off. As soon as you put it in there, you just go on your app. They need to make a voice command. That's what they really need. They need to get like Alexa to then set your temperature of your coffee in your $150 coffee mug, smart mug. Wow. This is where the name Alexa fails us because um, you can't say that with your girlfriend or wife's hockey mug, uh, coffee mug. Hey, Alexa, warm up Susie's mug. Like It becomes complicated. True. Very That's complicated. a good point. Very quickly. Now, um, okay. Now, I know there's ladies out there look, you know, that have to buy you know, gifts for their hubbies, so I got some gift suggestions for that as well. Okay. You want to hear one? Okay. I do. This is for the man in the household who thinks he's really good on the grill, but he always overcooks the meat. It, this, this product is called the Meter Block Wireless Smart Meat Thermometer. And, and what makes this interesting, it's a, it's a typical thermometer, meat thermometer, but it works with your smartphone. But this Meter Block, it comes with four of them. So it's perfect for the entire household. If everybody likes their meat cooked at a different, you know, well done or medium rare, with this, you can have four separate ones. Pick in the app the desired temperature that you want, put it in the oven or put it in the grill, walk away, and then you get a push notification once your meat is ready and perfectly cooked at that internal temperature that you specified inside the app. Okay, well, I have bad news, Andy. What's that? A man loves the grill. Like, it is, like, deeply woven into a man's soul, right? Like, there's the, you have your barbecue tongs, you're like, click, click. Yep, those work. Like, these are things men do. And if a woman or or a partner of the barbecue person were to give the, the, the thermometer, it's insinuating that the grilling is not accurate, that is heartbroken. You That'd be like giving somebody else a treadmill for Valentine's Day saying, hey, thought you could be more active. See, you know, you know what I have been doing? I actually have this. I, I love it because I had a habit of overcooking meat because I was like, you know, it's probably better to overcook it than undercook it if you, if you think about it, but it would come out dry. And then I started taking this to like barbecues when we were allowed to have barbecues. And I would tell people, I'm like, they're like, I can make the perfect steak, medium rare. I'm like, okay, well, let me do a little test. And so I would put it in. I go, you tell me when it's ready, and then I'll tell you when it's like, actually ready. And it's actually a really good, fun party game to have when you're having a barbecue because uh, you can – it's like a science experiment, basically, to say who is really the best at the grill. You can test it now with the meter block wireless smart meat thermometer. All right. I, I stand somewhat corrected. It could be a fun party toy. But, I mean, I think that's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking about what, uh, what, um, the which way it goes, Annie. Okay, I got another one. It's All right, for, go it's, ahead. It's for women, for, for the fellas. It's not really high tech, but it only costs $12, and it will change your life. Now, this is for the man in your life who really doesn't contribute to the cleaning. All you have to do is get him the drill brush. And basically... It's a brush that you can attach to your drill, and you can clean <laughs> virtually anything. Grout, not a problem. You just attach it to the drill brush, put it on high speed, and away you go. It will clean everything. It's amazing, and it only costs twelve dollars. This is you could be like you said, like you're you're like a a, a quality version of the Sham Wow guy there on that I one. I know. Like you, I, I always felt like I should. You're be excited. There. Like, I know. Trust me, I got the drill brush like. 
And like, I just started cleaning everything. And I'm just walking around with my drill. I got these brush, and it has different compartments, different types of brushes. So it's like you can just take on anything, and you just put huh. a high speed. And, it, and they, they make metal ones too. So you know, like the shower curtain or the, the shower rod, how it gets all like, you know, rust on it. Yep. You can get a drill brush with a metal one, and you can just take that all off. Just just drill it right off. It it works, and it's a great gift for that guy in you know in your life who doesn't clean enough. This will be a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You know, as long as he has a drill, he can clean with the drill brush. All right. I do All feel right. like a spokesperson now, eh? I sound like yeah, a little bit. Hey, you got a good, you got a good pitch there. Um, well, it's cold everywhere. We've been talking about the cold, and you did mention thermostat earlier on. There are ways that everybody can be smarter here with thermostats, Andy. Why? We got about two minutes. Why don't you tell us um, uh, about whether it's electric baseboards or where it's someone's got central heating, like the natural gas or whatever? What are some ways that we can be more organized, save money in this in the long run, and um, and probably be more comfortable at home? Well, the thing is, Shane, that a smart home, a smart home is not for everybody. But the number one thing I, I think every household should have is a smart thermostat. And the thing is, there's two different types of heating systems we typically have. You have essential heating, so you have one thermostat that controls all the heat for the house. But what I found is a lot of Canadian households still have electric baseboard heating. This is called zone heating. So you have a thermostat for every single room. And it's using electric heat, which is very, very expensive. And I can speak from experience because I have electric baseboard heating in my home. And the thing is, with electric baseboard is people typically keep it at one temperature. But, like, why does your bathroom have to be warm at 3 a.m. when you're sleeping? So you can get smart thermostats for electric baseboard heatings. And they're all from Canada. And that's because Canadians have a lot of electric uh, baseboards. So on my website, handyandymedia.com, I have two links of them. So if you have a household that has one of those and you can't get a Google Nest or one of the Echo Bees, you can still get a smart thermostat. And trust me, I installed it in my house, Shane, and, I'm, and I just love going on the app. It's almost gamifying because you're trying to find ways you can save energy. And, and you can just set schedules or you can use voice command now as well to turn the heat on and off inside your home. It's just one of those investments that as soon as you buy it, it starts paying itself off right away. So smart thermostats, I know it's cold in Canada. This is something every household should at least consider to save some money on the heating bills. Uh, Handy Andy Media. Uh, go check out handyandymedia.com for a list of all these kinds of great ideas. Um, there are some good ones there and a little bit of romance brewing in Ryan's mind right now. Definitely. I can see it. He's got little heart bubbles popping I above do, his head. I, I have figured it out. I have figured out what to get Laura. He's got a plan. Uh, so we have we have narrowed it down. Thank you, my friend. No problem. <laughs> All right. There's uh thanks, Andy. Andy Barrar. Handy Andy Media right there. You check it out um, on his Twitter and everything else. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.